I got a million ways to get it. Choose one. Choose one. Hey, bring it back. Bring it back. Now double your money and make a stack. All right, welcome to the Milk Talk Podcast, a place where milk can connect to one another to inspire, motivate, and collaborate to continue to build a strong, well-connected alumni association. I believe that Milton Hershey School rebranding is actually just getting started, and I want to be part of that journey. I think the best way to commemorate Milton and Catherine Hershey is to continue our own legacy that hopefully impacts the world as Milton Hershey's so impacted us. I believe the level of extraordinary that each and every milk carries within them is deeply underestimated. And this podcast will help in the journey to show off what milts are really made of. I'm excited to get to know more milts, more insight to their upbringing, what they're doing now to build their legacy and bring value to others, and what being a milt really means to them. So today I'm talking to Joe Hatagua, class of 02, founder of Hatagua Enterprises, based in Sierra Leone and the United States. His company encompasses real estate, film production, e-commerce, and book publishing. All around, really great guy. Like we said before, I know, I've known Joe personally since sixth grade. Um, just a great person to know, trustful person, uh, marketing guru, um, just smart guy all around, super, super big into self-development. Um, probably has made me a better person in the time that we've known each other now as adults, and I'm, I'm really grateful. So uh, without any further ado, Joe, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing before Milton Hershey, a little bit at Milton Hershey, and then what you're doing now in your business and building your legacy. Sure. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on your podcast first, so first and foremost, and I love what you're doing. Um, so I actually got to Milton Hershey. I am a meal bus baby. All of you who are milts would probably know what that means. I don't know if you still have a meal bus now, but I got there in 1989 as a five-year-old. So yeah, I was wow. in Milton Hershey from five to 18. So for 13 wow. years, I was in that school. Uh, so my life prior to that school, I don't remember much, to be honest with you. It was preschool in the South Bronx. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a first generation American. My mother came to the United States in the late 70s. Um, my two older sisters went to Milton Hershey before I did. And I was really begging to go. I do remember this. I was begging to go because I never saw them. Mm -hmm. You know, they came home on, on breaks. And that was like five times a year if they came home. Um, and so Aww. I thought if I went there, I would see them all the time. Um, I'm sadly mistaken. So but anyway, but it was the best decision <laughs> that could have ever been made for us and our family, us going there. But yeah, so I uh, went in 1989, um, was in a couple different student homes throughout my career there. Um, I will say my life at Milton Hershey was all around great. There um, are a couple of things I think that, that built me into the person I am today. Number one, I think I learned independence being there because I got there so early. I wasn't so dependent on my mother as a five-year-old and right. also meeting new people um, and different kinds of people from different backgrounds. Uh, right. Because I had to do it so yes. early, um, it forced me to deal with different cultures and different types yeah. of people. Um, and so I think that that was really helpful, <clears throat> but also, as I grew, um, I started pushing boundaries a little bit. I did get into a little bit of trouble. Um, I think for things that most high school kids would probably get in trouble for. But um, I, start, I think I started to learn that um, rules are important, mm -hmm. but it's also important to know why rules are in place, certain rules are yeah. in place. Um, yeah, and I think that that curiosity and that, that questioning of things um, made me question information I was given later on and allowed me to do more research to kind of help develop uh, into a person who 
is open to learning new things, but also I'm growing a lot because I am expanding my knowledge because I questioned everything that was given to me initially. Instead um, of just conforming to everything. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I think that's a great characteristic to have. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think the only other thing I would mention about Milton Hershey was the summer of opportunities. Uh, mm -hmm. I think right around 1996, they, um, they introduced, or at least I was introduced to summer of opportunities. And what it was, was it was, the summer was 10 weeks. So you had 10 weeks of activities. Most of them were one week long. Some were two weeks, depending on what it was. And so um, I do think um, a lot of how people have performed outside of Milton Hershey School can be directly correlated to what they did during those, those weekends or weeks or years. Absolutely. Um, at Milton Hershey. 100% uh, agree. Yeah, so I, you know, I went to, you know, I was cultured. I went to um, see Les Mis on Broadway in 1997. I would never have gone to see a Broadway show uh, because it was way too much money. My mom was yeah. able to afford it. Um, I went horseback riding. We never do it again, but at least I know what it's like right. to, get a <laughs> right. horse, to ride a horse, do that whole thing. Clean a horse. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> went water skiing. I went to a basketball camp. Um, I hate baseball, but I went to a baseball camp because it was free. Right. right? And so, right. you know, it was, it gave me the ability to try a whole lot of different things, learn what I liked, learn what I didn't like, like so good. learn what I was good at, um, and then learn myself, really. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that really um, plays a big role in you know, everything I do today. Yeah. So that's kind of my Milton Hershey. That's so good. I've done like three of these recordings so far and nobody has mentioned some of opportunities. Even myself, I forgot about them and I was part of them. Right. And I completely, you have such a good memory, but that's so true because so much of what they did, like most kids will never even, oh, what, you did this, you did that, you did this. Like, what the hell? How much, what didn't we do at Milton right. Hershey or through Milton Hershey? Like, that's so good. I wrote that down because I have to go back to that and, yeah. and remember all the things that I did through several opportunities. That's crazy. Yeah. And well culture. Oh, way to, yeah. way to say that mention, too. So smart. Yeah. And I want to mention something else too, because uh, the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, after graduating Milton Hershey, because we were lucky enough to be able to go to whatever school we wanted at the time because they were paying for most of your school. I went to a, a private school that was really expensive. So I got to meet people who families had a pretty high net worth. Yeah. And I saw what they were doing as kids. And I, my life kind of paralleled that right. because of the access I had. You know, they all played instruments. They all played yeah. sports. Right. Um, and I know that growing up in the Bronx, I would not have been able to do that because none of that stuff is free. Right. We had you a know? ski club. <laughs> right. Ski club. We had a right. ski club. So, yeah. I mean, we, we got a chance to live like an upper class or at least upper middle class lifestyle. Yeah. Even having been um, poverty or um, um, underrepresented communities mm. uh, from around the United States. So I think for Absolutely. sure having um, access to those things really helped out a lot. I think one of the tweaks could have been if they could have showed you how to use that access, but nonetheless, right. at least getting access to it and knowing that like, I don't have any opportunities at home. I, when they, when they introduced the name, I was like, at home, I'm watching cartoons and like reruns of different shows in the afternoon, right. like primetime TV. That's all right. I was doing all day right. long when I was at home in New York. Yeah. And in Hershey, I had opportunities, like the summer of opportunities. Right. And so I took that and I ran with it. So every summer after that, I stayed on campus at Milton Hershey for most of the summer, at least. Right. Taking advantage of the opportunities that they presented to us. That's, yeah, honestly. And that's kind of what people, differentiates people from the rest is what, how you choose to utilize something that you're given. 
and it's true i think we weren't really taught the the you know why to use it and how it's so important and look what you have and all of that but i can see the learning curve even the schools having like even now right. when i go back and i visit i can even the kids seem different like they're sure. so much more expressive and happy and you know they have this sense of like um you know being able to be themselves and the school now looks like instead of looking like a little tiny town it looks like a university campus right it's amazing so i think the students now are realizing like oh man we have a serious thing here on our hands and they're utilizing it and um yeah we'll, we'll get back to that but uh, go ahead keep going with your story i love it no i mean so that i mean that was really it i mean I, and then playing sports in high school i think was also really helpful because then then you do some traveling and seeing other schools and honestly playing sports in high school i think taught you know sports teach you so many life lessons mm -hmm. but you know, I was exposed to, because in a sports environment, right, people are going to try to talk in different ways to get you off your game. Yeah. Um, and so what I did learn was um, what it's like to experience racism mm, playing yeah. sports at Milton Hershey, um, because we would travel to these towns outside of Hershey, um, mm -hmm. and you had people that would yell racial slurs, more specifically at, in, in football. It was while yeah. we were playing football, not really so much with track. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when we played football with some of the, the local schools, we'll name the schools, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there were a couple and they would yell some pretty wild racial slurs. Um, yeah, wow. And, you know, Coach Geyer was very big on um, poise, mm -hmm. you know, and not allowing someone's ex something happening externally to affect you internally. Yes. Um, and so I think I learned some major lessons from that because there were many times where as a team, we wanted, we had, we had people that wanted to fight when this happened, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, Coach Geyer was always big on making sure that we understood the, that there was a, a bigger picture. Yeah. Um, you know, people would be jeopardizing their ability to be all conference and then potentially be right. able to play in college. So awesome um, that he was that way to really teach you guys really the higher road. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's such yeah. a higher road to take for, especially for kids in such a situation like you see it on movies and it's entertaining to watch like we watch you know remember the titans and you see that type and what they had to deal with but then to to you you dealt with it yourself yeah. you know it's not a movie it's real life and it's hard as shit to be to to take those words and be like you know what i'm, I'm gonna take the higher road because it's yeah. really not worth it and it's so good that he as the coach you know just like the movie like that you know the yep. coach was did the right thing and therefore the kids did the right thing so that's awesome i never heard that either that's such a great perspective so yeah and great. i mean and, and it it serves me well today because you know working in a corporate environment you will have people who their entire life is wrapped up in the job that they have right and so sometimes it it builds their ego to a point where they think they are above you as a human right just because they are ranked higher than you within that organization. Right. And so it's definitely helped me to not, to not react, yeah. but to respond, right? So instead of reacting to someone who says something negatively, I can think about the broader picture now because of those experiences and nothing yeah. someone can say to me at an office will affect me the way those slurs affected me when I heard them yeah. when we were playing sports, yeah. right? So I think that that really has helped me a lot too, because it's helped me to maintain my composure yeah. and, um, and really be able to still be um, effective in my role moving forward, having to deal with people who have those ego problems and who yeah. see themselves as above others. Right. Um, 
because you know i i dealt with you know managers who were mm -hmm. like that in different roles and i've had to work like a superiority them. complex superior, superiority yeah. complex exactly yeah and i've had to work for these folks for two three years um yeah. and all because i know i had an end goal and i had tunnel vision and then, and i knew that it's going to be a blip on the radar at some point in time i won't even remember how i felt in that moment right when they said whatever they said right. um but i can take that experience because i didn't react negatively in the moment right it's so much bigger uh, or broader experience that I gained from that overall that experience in that job that mm -hmm. I can take moving forward that I did not jeopardize because I didn't respond in a way or react in a way that I yeah. kind of felt initially. Right. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. And that's the beauty too of getting into entrepreneurship for me is I, I hated people telling me what to do. I, I hate it till this day. I hate being micromanaged. I hate like little, nitpicky or terrible cultures in an in a office setting or a work setting yeah. all of it like i can't i can't deal with it so for me it's like okay can't deal with this and i know i could do it better let me just go do something and create it better and create my own culture right because that's it's higher level thinking those people oh, you yeah. know superiority complex it's just they unfortunately don't have that higher level thinking they're stuck at entitlement right right <laughs> you know Absolutely. Absolutely. that's crazy so yeah, go on. What were you saying? Well, no, I mean, it's just those, those were some of the major lessons I think I learned from my experiences at Milton Hershey. You know, mm -hmm. I think I, I can call back to some of the different things that happened while at school and how I'm applying it to my life today. When I first graduated, I didn't know how, how much this stuff affected me, that I, what I learned at Milton Hershey. Um, and I guess just one more thing that I will say is the fact that Milton Hershey failed so many times, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. from five to 18, I heard that so much. I don't fear failure, right? right? Wow. I know that failure is a lesson, right? It is not a state of being, right? I don't have to be a failure. I just made a mistake or I failed. or I learned something in that moment, yeah. but it's not like I'm a failure because that didn't work. You know, I, I have no problem being wrong. I have a, yeah. I'm okay with being wrong. If I say something and somebody's like, that wasn't right. I'm like, all right, if, they have the yeah. facts to prove that it was right. I'm like, all right, well, I was wrong. I mean, right. because I, I know that, um, that failure, like I said, failure is not a state of being. It is yeah. just a, um, a learning lesson, right? Yeah. That's how I look at it. Right. So yeah, I think that, that that was really big. And I, don't, I didn't know how much it affected me because at some point, you know, you start rolling your eyes. Like how many times yeah. you tell me the Milton Hershey story? But right. it, it really is a part of who I right. am. I, I don't know if I would have been able to try so many different businesses all right. throughout these years. Had it not stepped in. Yeah, it yeah, literally exactly. stepped into your pores, that story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Because yeah. till this day, I probably read that book like 14 times just to yeah. read it again. And it's true. Like that's that way of thinking starts to become your way of thinking. Like, oh, he did it. And we heard it so many damn times. It became true in my head, you know? Right, right. It's crazy. So tell me, what are you doing now? Um, what made you even want to get into entrepreneurship? It's a good question. So I first got into entrepreneurship through network marketing okay. um, in 2003. Um, went to a meeting. For those of you who are not familiar with network marketing, it's basically just a business model that instead of paying for advertising on TV, they have reps who um, use word of mouth to sell those products, right? That's the best way to describe it. There are many different things you can do to look it up, but basically that's the best way to describe it. And so um, it was, you know, I was invited to a meeting by my sister 
went um, and it was the first time I saw people of color in large crowds, yeah. not for an athletic event. Yeah. <laughs> talking about business. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is like, I've never, I've, I've never seen anything like this before, you know? And so that was my first introduction to entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, and so um, I, I do credit uh, network marketing with, um, because like, you know, you tend to get on these teams where they're like, you know, you have like 10 daily habits, right? Yeah. And one of them was read every day. <clears throat> and I had never even read a book because, you know, we were kind of, um, I don't think schoolwork was that difficult, at least the, the classes right. that I had and the teachers that I had. Yeah. And so a lot of times you can get away with kind of skimming it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> maybe like, <laughs> yeah, what was talked about in class, I have a pretty good memory. So if it was yeah. talked about in class, I didn't have to read it because the teacher would tell us what, the, what we read anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then when it came time for a test, I just remembered everything the teacher told us in the class. So I didn't ever read a book front to cover until 19 years old. And it was Rich Dad Poor Dad. That was the first book that I ever read, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, wow. And so um, there's a lot of things discussed there, entrepreneurship, yeah. passive income, assets, liabilities, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So from that point on, um, I always knew that even if I was going to be working, um, I would always have a business outside of that and build mm -hmm. residual income. Yes. And so that was my introduction. And so... There are many different pivots I'll say mm -hmm. I've made um, yeah. where I've had different types of businesses where um, they've never really gotten off the ground. Some have, and, and I've had varying levels of success in different businesses, mm -hmm. um, but I will always be an entrepreneur no matter what else I'm doing. Um, yeah. Because as, as you mentioned, you know, you know, being able to be my own boss, having time freedom and financial freedom is the yeah. ultimate goal. Yeah, so absolutely. You can, you'll never get paid what you're worth in a job, so. Right you have to build your own. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So tell me um, what, what your, you said your business entails real estate, film production, e-commerce, book publishing, go through, and, and it's based not only in the United States, but in Sierra Leone, West Africa. So I, I want to hear all about that, discuss all those things. And then tell me, especially about, you know, you having a base out in Sierra Leone and West Africa and what you're wanting to do there. Sure. So, you know, I've, I've been going back and forth to Sierra Leone, um, for the first time as an adult in 2008, I actually went for a, a funeral, my aunt's funeral. And um, that was a very impactful trip because it was, it was during a financial crisis. So I was actually forced into entrepreneurship for the, for the first time without having a job to help. Yeah. But that's, that's another story we'll talk about a little later. But while I'm in Sierra Leone, um, you know, at her funeral, people would come up to me and they would talk about how she impacted their lives, you know, yeah, and they yeah. just wanted to be able to talk to someone who was related to her wow. to be able to express how she did something for them because they never got a chance to tell her. Wow. Right. A bunch of people who talked about voting and a number of other things that they got into there because they were impacted by her because she got on the radio there and talked about the importance of voting and things like that. And wow. so that started me thinking um, or on the path to legacy and yeah. what, um, what kind of impact do I have outside of myself? Right. And then of course with Milton Hershey having an impact long after he was dead, I went to a school and was able to yeah. experience all of these different things. So I started thinking about um, what kind of legacy and impact am I going to have? Mm -hmm. And um, my, you know, my family is from Sierra Leone, both my parents were born and raised there. And so, which is why my aunt was buried there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then after that first week, it was with my mom's side of the family, with my aunt and, and that family. And then I went to my dad's side of the family outside of the capital city. Um, my grandfather was chief um, 
and the second largest city in Sierra Leone. Yeah. And so I got a chance to see the impact he had on them. Yeah. And he had died right around the time Milton Hershey died. So he had uh -huh. died more than 20 years before I was born. And people were excited to meet me because I was a direct lineage. Wow. This person that had this profound impact on them when they were kids yeah. and, wow. and had an impact on them as they grew, even though he had been long gone. And yeah. so, um, I mean, by the time I went, it had been 40 years since he had died. That's crazy. To give you context. And the people yeah. in their 50s, 60s, and 70s were all telling me about how great of a person he was. Wow. You don't know what kind of lineage you come from. And so, um, and, then, and then the last part of that trip was, I had a really, really impactful, so that, that taught me legacy. And then I had a really impactful conversation with my, my cousin. Mm -hmm. um, he had been through the Civil War there in Sierra Leone. Um, if nobody's familiar with it, just Google Sierra Leone Civil War. Kanye rapped about it. It's been discussed at length. Somebody else could do a better job than I can. But it's almost a 10-year civil war. Um, and, wow. you know, he kept saying to me, God willing, one day I'll be able to come to the United States for a better life. And he kept saying that to me. You know, first of all, he thought I knew Little Wayne because I was, I was from America. <laughs> but, he kept, but he kept saying, like, God willing, one day, one day I'll go. And then I, and then I started noticing everybody was saying that. God right. willing, one day I'll get to the United States. And I'm like, why can't you live the Sierra Leonean dream? It doesn't have right. to be the American dream. And I am right. forever grateful to the United States. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really grateful to the United States. I do yeah. think the idea of the United States is probably the, the best idea for an experiment right. in probably world history. Right. right. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to be here right. to live your best life. And, right. Um, and so at that point in time, I said to myself, I have to have a business or I have to do something here on the continent of Africa and specifically in Sierra Leone so that people don't feel like they have to escape to have right. a better life. You should be able to make some decisions while wherever you are, right. you know, new job, education, whatever it is, in yeah. order to, to build a lifestyle that you feel more comfortable with yeah. instead of having to save up your, take your life savings to come here. Mm -hmm. in, to start from the beginning and, all over and, right and still live in poverty yeah right which is in, what a, in a country you think is better yeah exactly yeah. um and you know a lot of immigrants do come to the united states and they do employ people but that's yeah. if they were entrepreneurs elsewhere right? right because they already have that mindset right a lot of people especially a lot of people that i've known in, in my family came here as employees employee mm -hmm. mindset yeah and fortunately their certifications and their skill set doesn't directly translate to the United States. Right. So they have to come here and be something else. For example, right. my mother was a teacher in Sierra Leone. It did not work here. So when she came here, she worked at the grocery store. Yeah. And she worked as a, um, a housekeeper. Yeah. And then eventually she became a nurse, you know, an LPN and she went through school. But, you know, she had to start all over again. I mean, at yeah. the grocery store, checking, checking your stuff at the, you know, yeah. at the checkout line. So, um, so for me, that was, that was, the first time I thought about, okay, what am I going to do legacy wise? And, and I have to figure out a business that I'm going to do here. Yeah. It took a long time to get there though. That was 2008, 2009, mm. uh, 2009. So I went back a bunch of times, 2017, twice in 2018 and twice in 2019. Wow. Um, and um, with each trip, I got more clarity, mm -hmm. right? I built more of a network. I talked to more people. Um, I got my nice. dual citizenship. I, started, nice. I at least started the process of getting a business incorporated. Right. Creating um, roots. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I knew that it, I, you know, it's like when Martin Luther King said, right, you don't need to, you don't need to see the whole staircase to take the first step. Yeah, that's right. right. And so I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew that I should take these steps. First. Plant some seeds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so um, real estate's probably the fastest, easiest way to get started. Yeah. And so um, as I made my intentions known, I found out that there was property that was in the family's name that they were looking to offload. So I was able to purchase that from the family. Nice. Um, uh, helped purchase another property outside the capital city in another location. And then there's some other properties as well that I have in my name. <clears throat> so that was the first place that I started because um, that was the easiest. Yeah. And so, um, so I started with real estate first. Um, and then uh, I had had an e-commerce store previously. Mm -hmm. um, and I ran into some issues running ads on Facebook mm -hmm. uh, because it was in the cannabis industry. It wasn't directly selling cannabis, but mm -hmm. um, it was like um, cannabis adjacent products. So, uh -huh. um, you know, uh, vaporizers and yeah. pipes and things like that. Accessories. Um, Accessories, right? Yeah. And uh, and so Facebook decided to um, no longer allow those kinds of ads, and they shut oh. down the Instagram account. I didn't have that many followers, or close to ten thousand followers on Instagram, but I was getting sales just right. from coming to that page. And then I was running ads. I did about ten thousand dollars in four months. Yeah. Um, and just like that, they shut off that my ads. Sucks. That's horrible. Yeah. yeah. But I you didn't know, know that. Again, it's not failure, right? Right. It's, it's a learn. Yep. Lesson learned. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and I realized too that I wasn't that passionate about cannabis. I mean, I'm a fan of cannabis. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a sewer since 17. But um, but I I I'm not as passionate about cannabis as I am about Africa. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This was right after I came back from a trip to Sierra Leone. The account gets shut down. Wow. Right. So it was like it was it was a sign. Yeah. And so I decided then to Great way to take um, it to start Authentic African, right, which is the Instagram page that I have. Mm -hmm. um, right around 20 some thousand followers now and i also have an e-commerce store where i sell pro where i sell products made in africa to yeah. the diaspora nice so um that's everything from masks to like laundry baskets to nice lotions, you know facial creams hair products anything uh not closed yet because i couldn't find a good quality distributor yet but um anything that's high quality african made um fair trade African handmade. That's awesome. What I'm selling on my store. And that's so, awesome. um, so that's the e-commerce business and that's based in Sierra Leone. So, uh -huh. you know, I incorporated my business of a limited corporation in Sierra Leone mm -hmm. and the, the real estate and the e-commerce business are under, under that umbrella. Nice. So, so, um, so yeah, so that, that's, that's that business. Um, the other two is, uh, oh, production. So, um, my and so oh, and I, I will say this at some point i decided that i was going to invest time energy effort and then eventually finances mm -hmm. in african entrepreneurs or underrepresented entrepreneurs mm -hmm. um underrepresented minority entrepreneurs yeah and so um my cousin is an actor slash director writer now producer now as well yeah. and um he told me that he was working on a project and um you know, as, as you know, I, I was a marketing major in college. I've, uh, in my professional career, I've helped Fortune 500 brands find their customers yeah. online, whether that's on mobile devices, on websites, um, and then later at Hulu, helping them find the customers of people watching Hulu. Yeah. Um, and so that's always been my career. So he asked me if I could help him raise money for the Indiegogo campaign that we were, he was doing 
um, to to finance the short film he was he was going to direct. Yeah. And so um, that was kind of the first time I got my hands um, on a project and got involved in um, in, in producing a short film. Yeah. And so um, so we produced that short film. We were in seventeen film festivals over the last eighteen nice. months. Um, you know, we've won a couple of awards, which has been great. It was an Oscar qualifier. We didn't get in. Wow, how fun. How crazy. So that was exciting. Um, and then another short film that I produced with him, um, we uh, screened it at the Cannes Film Festival last year, which is like one of the major film festivals that people might know about. It's in Cannes, France, however you decide it, however you um, say it. I say Cannes Film Festival, but I guess it's Cannes Film Festival. Uh-huh. Tomato, um, tomato. Right, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> so, so we screened at that film festival as well. So, uh, so that's the production business. And so nice. um, right now we are in the middle of, um, you know, we've already shot the short film. We're, we're still kind of in um, festival season. Mm-hmm. Once it's out of festivals, we can like let it be seen by the broader public. And we are looking for distribution on the short film. And then we have um, just completed the uh, feature length script. So we're going to use that as a case study to raise money for the feature film. So wow, nice. 20 minute movie now, it will be a hour and a half, two hour movie um, once we are able to get the funding. And so yeah. that will be the other part that I help with is, is getting funding. So that's okay. that's kind of how I work as like an advisor slash producer yeah. on, um, on that. Um, and then because I'm creating so much content, um, I decided that I'm also going to publish a lot of the content that I've created and or come across that I have um, the rights to resell. Yeah. So um, I found a course on it. And so I decided to take this course uh, on everything from from publishing on Amazon Audible or Uh Kindle Publishing um, and many other places that you can publish books. And so um, because books are kind of what helped change my life once I got out of Milton Hershey, yeah. I want to do the same for others, right? And start publishing books to help educate others. So, you know, it's um, so funny when you were saying that I just had um, a vision of when we were back in Cali and you were telling me about this other course you were doing for marketing and you, you spent like 1800 or something on that course. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, like, that's what I love about Joe. Like he puts his money where his self-development is like, like mm-hmm. most people would be like, what, 1800 for a course? But since I've known you now in our adult life, that's one thing that I've seen is you, you really do invest in yourself and your self-development, your courses, whatever you want to learn, you will go spend it, learn it, do it. And I, that's such a good characteristic to have. So when you said that, I was like, of course he spent money on another course to better himself. Like that's Absolutely. I, that that's you got to spend money to make money yeah. I didn't really understand what it meant and there are a lot of different meanings for it but I think one of them is pay for your education yeah it does not stop at four years of college or an MBA right. PhD, whatever you get yeah. or high school yeah it, it, it's ongoing lifelong education is super important yeah um, and so yeah I mean and I also learned that through network marketing and so once once I knew that um nothing worth having comes easy or is free yeah. I know that I have to pay for the real information that'll help right. me build these businesses. Right. And so um, anytime I am um, pursuing a new venture or trying to level up in that venture, mm-hmm. I'm buying more courses, paying for more consulting. I also pay, I also personally pay for one-on-one coaching That's with awesome. a, an e-commerce consultant. Um, I actually had my, my one That's of my so awesome. second call earlier today. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I've always said that you have to invest in yourself and yeah. specifically your education. 
Um, yeah. One thing I will say beyond that is it just can't be just paying for the education. You yeah. have to apply, apply what it. you learn. Yes, you know? 100%. Most people, yeah, they just want to gather their shit and just sit on it and not apply yeah. anything, but you must go apply it. Apply. Otherwise, and you're just buying shit. Yeah, and apply <laughs> yeah. consistently over time. Yeah, and yeah. that's... That's the other thing too. Um, and that was the challenge I had when I was younger is I bought a lot of courses, I'd get all excited and not apply it. Right. right? So, <laughs> so I, had, I was like ignorance on fire, right? Yeah. Like, but like, I didn't do anything about it. So yeah. um, eventually I started buying um, courses and actually applying it and then starting to see results. Yeah. And so then it was like reinforcing that just buy more, yes. obviously. Yeah. And not every course, I mean that $1,800 course that I told you about, um, maybe, 2% of it was useful. Right. Um, right. And I think most people might be like, man, that was BS. I paid $1,800. But right. honestly, that 2% I still use today. Right. right. I mean, yeah. Um, That's right. So I think, you know, as, as long as you can get something from it and you can apply it, pay exactly. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, do your research first, though. Just, don't just give your money to some guy on the internet. Right. <laughs> right. right out first, but <laughs> right. do your research first. But, um, but yeah. So yeah. So that's, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I, so that's the, the four pillars of, of uh, the business. Eventually, I'd like to get into specifically investing. As I mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. finances aren't there yet because it's tied up in so many other places. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually, I'd like to build a fund, a venture capital fund with other high net worth individuals, pull their money together, and then start investing in entrepreneurs who are advancing, um, you know, civilization and the, the everyday lives of Africans. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the goal. That's awesome. And it's so, it's so good to, to see how clear you are on your vision. Most people aren't, they don't have that clarity. They're just kind of, oh, I kind of want this or I kind of want to be this. But the, it's, that is just like an idea where you have like complete clarity. You know what it is. You know how long it might take. You know the details of it in and out. Clarity is like the number one thing, I think, in creating a vision, a business, anything, legacy building. Yeah. So it's good to hear I that. Yeah. yeah. And I would say the clarity came from doing something. Mm -hmm. Right. Because for the first five years, I was like, you know, I want to do something in Sierra Leone, but I never went back. Yeah. Right? So from 2009, well, actually 2009, 2017. So I don't do math in public, but that's six years, <laughs> eight years. <laughs> eight years. <laughs> I'm not eight the one to ask either. <laughs> yeah. So in that eight year span, I never went back. And so <laughs> nothing got done. Right. Right. The clarity came right. in the last two years where I went five times. Yeah. Right. And every time I went and I took steps, that's when things became more clear. Right. And like I said, I didn't have to be able to see the whole staircase to take the first step. Right. But as I took that first step, things became more clear. Exactly. So if there's anything that, uh, that you can get from that, anybody listening to this is it's like walking in fog. Yeah, exactly. You're taking the next step. It'll be start. more clear. Yeah. The next step. Yeah. You know, because otherwise you're just staying in the same place and you're, right. you're obviously not going to be able to change your circumstances if you're in the same place. Right. Right. What That's you've so been good. doing is what got you where you are now. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's so good. I like that to just take the first step. That'll gain some more. Cause I get that question all the time. Like, how do you gain clarity? And then I try to take them through a process of it that I think works. But I think that I'm going to add to my ammunition boxes. You just got to take the first step and then you'll be able to see the step in front of you. And then the step before and then blah, blah, blah. But people are so afraid of taking that first step. They're yep. so afraid. They lack that confidence. They're afraid to take the risk. It's like this constant little thing, paycheck and security that's dang benefits that's dangling in front of them. But they just, that's what I want people to see through this podcast is like, listen, we are just like you and right. we don't have the answer either, but 
what we do know is this is where we want to go. So these are the steps that we're going to take towards that. And it is a risk. Like, I don't have yeah. all the confidence either. But like you said, I definitely don't want to stay in the same place. I don't want to be complacent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Analysis paralysis. Another yeah. Coach Geyer quote. Yeah. That's so <laughs> funny. You got so much from him. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a quotable. I mean, millions have been made off cliches. And yeah. he has probably helped a lot of people make some really smart life decisions based on all of his quotes. It's I wonder where he is now. Do you see him on social media? Um, he was the athletic director, I think, for a little while. Okay. I think yeah. He's the he must be now. so old now. Yeah, he's a little he's a little older, but he's still the same guy. You know, he's yeah. still a close guy. How awesome. He's not he's not the same intimidating presence that he was when I was in high school. With his, he's, his he's huge safe. voice. Yeah, his voice is more soft spoken and chill. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I saw him last year actually. Um, oh, that's cool. And, yeah, and it was we had a great conversation. I was like, do you even remember me? Because I got no playing time. <laughs> but uh, it was like, it was like, of course I remember you. Of course I remember you because I had some wild stuff going on in, in high school, and he was made aware of it. And it. So yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely remember you. Yes, I remember. You. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, it was really good. Though it was really good having a conversation with him. Um, That's cool. But yeah, I mean, he. Uh, I, I will say that those formative years um, have a lot to do with who I am today. So yeah. Well, while we're on that topic, what do you think is your favorite thing about Milton Hershey School? That's a good question. I think my favorite thing about Milton Hershey School is what um, it kept me away from. Okay, yeah. You know, my mom was in the South Bronx and um, all the stuff that was happening in the South Bronx, late 80s yeah. to the 90s, you know, um, I mean, if you just listen to Fat Joe, Remy Ma, or Cardi B, these yeah. are examples of rappers from the Bronx. Yeah. Right? So if you hear their music, you know what it's like. Right. In the Bronx, <laughs> right. right? So, um, so that was, you know, what it was what I was able to escape right. going to Milton Hershey. So that I think is probably the biggest benefit. Yeah. Not to mention all the other things, but I'm, I'm really happy that um, I, my, my mom was introduced to the school and that I went yeah. um, and that she had the courage yeah. to send us away. You know, that, that has to be a really hard thing to do. I wouldn't advise you sending a five-year-old away yeah. like that, but, yeah. um, but the fact that she did do it, um, I think, it completely changed the trajectory of my life. 100%. You know? I agree. I'd I, I like to think that I'm the person that I am today, the underlying person might be the same, but the yeah. knowledge I have might not be the same because yeah. the experience that I had there, it forced me to look at things differently. And I, I'm seeking knowledge um, because of everything we already talked about. So yeah. I do think that there's so many things I could say, but I think that's the, that was my favorite thing about Milton Hershey was that it was an escape from the South. That's awesome. That's good. I agree 100%. Absolutely. Lifesaver. In general, it's a lifesaver. So um, one last thing. Um, and before and after we do this, I want to get together all of your social media handles, website, anything you want to give to people so you have that ready. But what does it mean to you to be a milt? What it means to me to be a milt um, is to be a part of a community. Mm. You know, um, I think about like how presidents who might have hated each other seem mm. to be all friends now when they're all not president anymore because no one right. knows what it's like to be the president of the United States, right? Right. Or I think of like when I used to watch the real world and road rules and how all these mm -hmm. different previous seasons all get together and they have like this bond. And I think Milton Hershey does that for us, mm -hmm. you know? That's even so if true. You, yeah, yeah. Even if you weren't that 
th- that much in communication with someone. Like you and I didn't talk a lot at Milton Hershey. Right. But we, yeah. but because of Milton Hershey, we had a common bond and we got to right. develop a real strong friendship. It's like an instant, yeah, instant connection afterward. It's like, oh, Milt, yeah. Milt, oh yeah, family immediately. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and and it's, I love that. I love exactly, that. Exactly, me too. Yeah. And it's family. That's, yeah. that's what it means to be in Milt is, you know, it's funny, right? Because he started the school for orphan white boys who didn't have families. Yeah. Right. And a lot of us do have big families. I know you have a bunch of siblings. Yeah. I have a bunch of siblings, but the Milt family is my broader family. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what class you're from. You know, I, I was doing business with a guy um, who works at um, Equifax who was class of 80. He was class of like 87. So I wasn't yeah. in Hershey yet. And I'm class of 2002, right? So that, there's a huge difference. Yeah. But that, that one fact brought us together. He yeah. told me he was a milk when he reached out to me on LinkedIn and working at Hulu, <laughs> everybody reached out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. So, and that's what, that's yeah. what connecting more of the, more of us together in this alumni associate, that's what it's going to do. Like we're going to, I, that's what I want. I want it to be like, oh, you're Mel, you're Mel. Oh, what can we do together? Oh, you need this. Oh, let me hook you up with this. And blah blah blah. And then it's like a huge sorority or whatever the hell you call those things. I wasn't part of that in college, but right. it's that same idea, but you know, uh, high school and right. creating, you know, something kind of like that on the strength yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, our, our our class rings. That's like our Greek letters. MHS yeah. is like our Greek letters. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> you know? it's true, and it even looks <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do they call that? Like what are those sororities and um, well they're just it's Greek life, that? right? Because they use Greek, they use Greek okay. symbols, right? So even the black sororities or the minority sororities, they're still Greek symbols. Okay. Um, See, I don't even know, know the history of sororities. I, and I, don't, I'm not, I can't even talk about the origins because I don't know. I, I didn't. I, pledge. Don't know. <laughs> I didn't pledge, so I don't know. Yeah, but me either. I, I know that they have these really big networks. It's so yes, that's what I do know. For us, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so give me a rundown. Let everybody know what are your hashtags, what are your um, Instagram handles, your Facebook stuff, uh, website, anything you want people to know so that they can jump on and take a look at what you're doing and you know learn a lot from what you put out. Because I know I love watching all your content. And I learned a shitload just from watching your stuff. So please give people whatever you want to give them so that they can get some enlightenment too. So you can go to my main page at, um, at J Hatagua and that's at J H O T A G U A. And for those of you who know Spanish, that is hot water. My last name is Hatagua, like hot water. So if you have a hard time remembering it, it's just the letter J hot agua. Um, and that's, that's my main page from there. You can find all my other pages. Um, and since that stuff changes from time to time, because I do make pivots in my business as we talked, mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. And so that there if you we go, go there, yeah. you'll be able to see what I'm working on at that point in time. Smart. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for being on this for me. I'm actually going to put this out probably in the next week. Cause I'm just so damn excited for people to hear your stuff. I'm like going to start working on it today, actually. So thank right. you for being on it and say bye. Thanks for having you. I got a million ways to get it. Uh-huh. Choose one. Choose one. Hey, bring it back. Bring it back. Now double your money and make it stack. Uh-huh.